Hello and welcome to the reaction for Celtic 2, Ross County 1. I'm your host, Graham McKay, and it's not Louis Bell this week, but it's Eddie Bell. All the way from the States, Eddie Walsh, how are you doing, mate? Doing really well. Good to see you both. Uh, excited to speak about a good game of football before everything ends. And before we get started, obviously it's been a big, big week for uh, Americans. Uh, your midterms, it, no, overall no. quite successful, but not really in your area. No, I, I mean, I've said it before on the pods. Uh, Long Island is essentially the Florida of New York. Um, so I'm, I'm on a big red island with a bunch of cops. So nice. They call uh, they call Bavaria the Texas of uh, Germany. So. So, oh, so fun. Solidarity. Yeah. And Annabelle, how are you doing, Annabelle? I'm good, thanks, Graham. Yeah, happy to be here with you guys as well. Um, very happy to be going into this long, dark, cold break. Nine points clear. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Five weeks of um, barren wasteland that is the <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> and we are nine points clear, obviously, with the uh, Rangers dropping points again today. Uh, who incidentally had... Uh, like non-penalty XG lower than St Mirren. So, I mean, that was absolutely wonderful as well. But before, is this the first podcast I've done with you, Eddie, since meeting you in person? Have we have we been on the podcast since? Yeah, I, th- I think we have. We've times, had one? Actually. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't know if I told the listeners, but the, the the measure of the man that is Eddie came all the way from Long Island to Manhattan in a weeknight to meet up with me and then bought me and my wife pizza. Which was absolutely fantastic. Oh. So I need to thank you again for that. That was yeah, a great night. And then a rat ran towards us. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's a true, true New York experience. So. Yeah, I think I saw more rats this time visiting New York than I've ever seen collectively in my life. So, <laughs> and they're like the size of small kittens too. Yeah, some bigger, some like raccoon size too. In the Harlem. Pizza, pizza rat. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you guys didn't see pizza rat. That's yeah. And the, and the Harlem subway station, the, the floor was actually moving with with rats. So that was, that was... I believe it. Speaking okay. of rats, David Munro. Was that his name? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. The uh, yeah. We'll get to the. We'll get to. It. We'll get. To it. But we started today's uh, vitally important game. Uh, with uh, Hart and Goal, Ralston Burnaby on the fullback position, CCV and Jens in the middle of the defence, David Turnbull, Matt O'Reilly and Tati in midfield, and Haxabanovich, Kyogo and Maeda up front. Annabelle, we are clearly chopping and changing a lot this season. Uh, I think it was mentioned by Jack in one of the chats that this seems to be a, a kind of measured thing that we're doing to ensure that everyone stays kind of fit and firing for the whole season as opposed to burning out like a few players maybe did last season would you I guess nowadays we can't really really ever be surprised by lineups but what were you thinking when you saw the lineup yeah exactly as you say not surprised I think I counted was it six changes from Wednesday night so and just very much continuing his plan of rotating the squad and I know there's like a conversation around does that actually benefit the team in any way you know does it affect our performances etc but I mean, for me, you can't really argue with the fact that our injuries do seem to be going down. I think right now we've only got McGregor and McCarthy out. Is that right? So 
we are in a good spot. It, it does seem to be working, but at the same time, when you see a performance like that first half, part of me wonders, is it all worth it? Um, but yeah, I wasn't surprised. I pretty much almost predicted the team when it came out, so I was dead off myself. I think I got one wrong. I thought Gigi would have started ahead of Kyogo, but I think he earned a start after how well he was performing prior to that, kind of coming back into a bit of form. I was surprised to see no Juranovic involvement anywhere. don't believe he was on the bench, so... Is that, you know, predicting something that might happen in the future? I don't know. And I was hoping to see my age. I kind of keep going with his form coming up as well ahead of the World Cup. So I was glad to see him get a start anyway, but I'm sure we'll talk about him later. I think it's been uh, something in Angie's plans. Uh, Janovic and Moy obviously didn't make it, he didn't get any, any minutes today as well. So I think it's probably with the World Cup in mind that he's maybe resting these players. But and as you say, it does seem to be working. I think Rangers had 13 players injured for today's game at Risk Exit Man, and then uh, King get taken off on a stretch as well. So that's in 14 players down. So that's just, that's enjoyable, isn't it? I think, I, I, I think the way, uh, King was playing today, I think he probably asked them to take him off because he, he was getting, he was getting dragged around. Love that. So, you uh, love yeah. to see it. You love to see it. Absolutely. But I've got I've got this quote written down. It's uh, kind of start my notes uh, from Bill Gates, and it's the quote that success is a terrible teacher. Uh, and I, I, I like that quote, and I think about it quite a lot. And the reason I think about it is because complacency is something that comes into football quite a lot, and it's something Brendan Rodgers was big on get, uh, avoiding complacency. Edit. What do you see from this rotating and Ange? What do you see uh, from that point of view that we are avoiding complacency by keeping keeping the players on their toes so much? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I know we've said before that there is. I mean, while there are changes within certain positions, especially I'd say midfield, there aren't many changes. I guess so. There's usually kind of the same three. But I think Turnbull getting a start today was. I know, like uh, Colin mentioned on the lunch club, as far as kind of you know, here you go, here's a start, show us what you got. And I thought he was. I thought he was really good today. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely love kind of seeing the changes in that way, maybe definitely from the start, because you can kind of, you can change it up if you don't think it's working. Whereas I think I'm not so big on making those changes later on in the game and mass, I guess. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that they were, I thought it was kind of business as usual today, but I don't think that there was one player out there that I could really name that had a bad game. Uh, and I think a lot of them played probably knowing that, you know, maybe minutes are at stake for certain players. I know obviously Jens, I, th- I, I kind of figured Sarfelt would start today, but I guess, you know, just coming back from injury, he'll probably get some, uh, minutes obviously in Australia. So, um, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely some shirts up for grabs, but I think for the most part, it's, it's settled. But it is nice to see players like Turnbull come in and put in a performance like that. Um, you know, hopefully he could kind of kick on and be more consistent with that. But yeah. So Annabelle, on the, the last week's review, Christian basically spent an hour uh, dismantling David Turnbull. Um, and as Eddie says, it, it did seem brighter today. What, what did you, what have you made of David Turnbull this season and what did you think of him today? Yeah, um, great question. I think I've been fairly critical of Turnbull um, on the last few podcasts I've been on because my sort of view of him was that 
he was someone who was kind of one of the few players left in the squad who was a legacy from the Neil Lennon era and therefore was kind of it was kind of a just and just system or you're out. And I think he's a good quality enough player that even though for me I felt like he hadn't fully adjusted to Angie's system yet but I would always say it's worth keeping him around because he does have sort of a natural ability that I don't think is worth kind of just getting rid of you know without giving him a chance I think he's been one of our sort of more slow players this season if you know for a team where our whole thing is playing really fast and being quick and incisive I've kind of felt that he's far too static and doesn't kind of make use of the space enough which I think is something Christian highlighted as well where you know we've he's just not making the runs that other players like Hatate um, and Matt O'Reilly would have made when he was pushed further up but I, I have to agree with Eddie I do think he I think he earned a start today he had that fantastic assist on Wednesday in the game against Motherwell I think he earned a start he earned the chance to kind of show that he's definitely worth kind of giving more opportunities to and I did think he was he was brighter he was a bit more kind of moving around you know playing a bit more the Ange way I felt and they didn't there was a few moments where I was like, God, he's torn a caravan in But overall, no, I was, I was overly, yeah, happy to see him on the pitch today. Yeah, I think, I think the thing with Turnbull, and obviously, you know, it's been talked about uh, to death, but I think the intangibles that he brings, such as corners, free kicks, um, you know, that kind of incisive pass, that adventurous pass, he hasn't really been doing that, at least well. I guess, uh, and, and consistently. So I think that works against him. And when it's almost like when people say, if Abada isn't scoring goals, what is he doing? So it's like, if Turnbull isn't doing any of that, what's he doing? But I think at the same time, he was, I wouldn't say he was, he was definitely keeping it ticking today. Uh, I would say more so of kind of, you know, he did, you know, he holds the ball. That's what he does. But I do think he was a lot quicker today. But I do think a lot of people uh, see the things like his corners and stuff like that, that are just not coming off. Uh, I mean, I don't think we have a player on the team that could take a good corner. But um, yeah, it's just I, I think that was one of the first things when he came to the team. I think a lot of people were talking about that. Finally, we have somebody to take corners. Finally, we have somebody to take free kicks. And in the beginning, he was incredible at it. So I think it was just maybe the drop down on that that maybe maybe has people thinking of other things and seeing other things like maybe how slow he is and uh, on the ball and decision making and then also getting used to, you know, Andrew's system. So, yeah, I, I think he's had a hard time kind of adjusting. But, you know, there's there's no doubt there's quality there, obviously. So. So the game started where we had the, the minute silence, uh, which didn't go as badly as I was expecting. <laughs> but yeah, there was a, a minute, it wasn't really a minute silence, it was a minute kind of bit quiet with some whistling in the background. Um, and it's something offensive to me about Malcolm Mackay. Like, I, I get offended by his bald patch. It's just, just, so, just something. <laughs> it's just, the bald patch is just so glaring. It's, 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 and he's now wearing a black jumper. Do you think that's a, he's just trying to copy Anne. She's got the black jumper out for, maybe they're going to sell that in the Ross County uh, Superstore. <laughs> Every time I see his face as well, there's a description that Raymond Chandler, the detective novelist, does about a body that's been under water for so long. And I think of it every time I see um, Malcolm McKay's face. He's just so... Uh, I should, wow. should stop, have, stop having a personal attack on Malcolm McKay. <laughs> that's I mean, perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's many reasons to have a vendetta against Malcolm yes, McKay. Yeah. I, love, I love being offended by his bold spot as the one you've picked. It's, it's yeah, just that, so bright. I don't know. That camera angle was not, was not forgiven no. for him. 
And I think it's because he's so angry in the sidelines all the time, angry with his own players. It's, yeah, I don't know. And uh, aye, but we another angry person today was Tom Boyd. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what did you think? So we'll get we'll do the the game in chronological order uh, soon. But like the the, the Anthony Ralston, Anthony Ralston, it wasn't a penalty. The guy put his hands in the back of Anthony Ralston's feet. Kind of disappeared from under him, and Tom Boyd was convinced this was a penalty. What did you make of that? Un- unbelievable. Honestly, <laughs> he is an absolute joy. Every every day, I say him and either I think Paul Cudahy, mm. both of them, they're like uh, um, Waldorf and Statler. I say from the Muppets, they're just these two grouches <laughs> that are sitting up in the booth. Just, Tom- I mean, somebody needs to check on Tom Boyd. I'm guessing he's on some sort of blood pressure medication, <laughs> but uh, he was. He was extra raging today about yeah. literally everything. So, like yeah. the, the older he gets, the more he sounds like Barney from The Simpsons. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I, I wrote down some of his quotes today. So, see when the the, the Ross County player was trying to get new uh, football boots, <laughs> he, he said, "Quote: It takes them a while to find the case they are contained in, as if it's some kind of like uranium or something like that." <laughs> You you need to start a tomboid uh, Twitter account. Yeah, and then someone else needs to start a tomboid AI Twitter account. Yes, tomboid bot. (laughs) And another quote was uh, Carl Starfelt is getting undressed. (laughs) Such a weird way to say it. I loved that whole saga with Starfelt in his shirt. He seemed also strangely livid that Starfelt had dared <laughs> to not have a shirt for about seven seconds, which personally oh, I was enjoying. <laughs> yeah. I had no he, issues, but he he did hate it. He was I oh, was like he hates that, yeah. I was like, someone give this man his pills. He's struggling here. He's so <laughs> angry. Yeah, so the game the game starts off and uh, it's there's not many kind of big chances. There's not much happening in either box. It's just Celtic kind of playing about with the ball. And um the, the first note I've got is that Matarelli has been harassed by refs because every time he tries to win the ball back, um, he puts in good tackles. He puts put in a really good soldier tackle and we would have been through on goal and uh, he gets blown up against. What is it about O'Reilly? I mean, it happened obviously in Real Madrid as well. It just seems to be really good at kind of doing the defensive work in the midfield, but gets persecuted, uh, Annabelle, by, by refs constantly. But is it because he's like... His frame and he looks he's big and he's kind of like maybe looks as if he's manhandled someone. Uh, did, do you do you remember the, the the tackle I'm talking about and what did you think about it? Yeah, I think is that the one where he looked particularly aggrieved afterwards? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Understandably so. Um because he was I think he was quite high up the pitch at that point. You know, it would have created a really good it was a through ball, it was going to be a great opportunity. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know what it is. I don't think for me it's about his frame because even though he is quite a big guy, like but he's quite lanky, I think. He reminds me not so much about Ayer, but I, I get a bit of a, like a kind of giraffe vibe off him sometimes. The way his kind of limbs go about, he's quite got quite skinny, long legs. So I think um, what it is is he's really skilled at those sort of defensive tackles. I think we've seen him now two games in a row do some really great ball winning work in the box, which is just delightful to watch. I think he's so good at getting his foot in the exact right place to win the ball that I think that the referee kind of just sees that and because it's so close he gets his foot in the exact right place that the referee just assumes there's contact there and oftentimes 
as we know, the opposition player knows to just kind of drop at that point. Maybe they're assuming there's going to be contact and they're and they're playing for it. I don't know, but they do always seem to go down. And to me, I just think it's one of those unfortunate cases where it's just a high level of skill that puts him in a position and the referees in this country are not competent enough to identify whether or not there's actually been contact. So they just play it safe and give the foul. Maybe I'm just being biased. Maybe I've got my tinfoil hat on, but I do think that's what it is with O'Reilly. He's just very good at getting his foot right in there. And it just never seems to come off for him, which is a shame because he's being penalised essentially for being very skilled in what he does. I love how um, so Annabelle has had to put her camera off because of connection issues, and now we can just imagine she has a tin tinfoil hat, tinfoil hat on. Uh, and we can't That's confirm. actually what's causing the connection issues. It's not. It's not the Ethernet. It's my tinfoil hat interference. Sorry, guys. So Eddie, on on the review, uh, Christian was talking about basically the combativeness of uh, Matt O'Reilly and it's it's something I think I've noticed more that he's been in the six and he does seem to enjoy that physical physical element of the game and before I, I just kind of didn't write him off as a, as a rugged style because I, I, we want that kind of player but I just thought of him as that uh, what do you think of uh, Matt O'Reilly kind of doing both sides of the, the, the ball now? I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. I think Annabelle brought up a great point about him kind of being maybe more selective in tackles, but also so precise in them. Um, and I, I, I honestly do think it's, it's very Rogic like to kind of the way he uses his body, the way he goes forward. Um, and even beyond that, just kind of the way he was talking today, the way he was kind of, you know, moving his arms and talking to players. I thought it was really great. There was one time where I think. Ralston played a pass that he didn't want. And he kind of looked at him and like put his hands up like this. So I just really kind of like his confidence. Um, and now I just think that his consistency and kind of his adaptability are showing even more um, because we obviously do need some sort of, you know, defense in, in that six, um, which I would say, Moy and maybe McGregor are not necessarily that type of player. So I think it's interesting to have a player like O'Reilly who can pick a pass, has great vision, but also can, you know, stick a tackle on a player. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, we're the ones that are going to benefit from it. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting when McGregor comes back. I mean, obviously he's going to slot right back into the six, I would assume, but, um, I think it's going to be, kind of interesting, I guess, to see how O'Reilly plays back in the eight, because I think when he started the season, I don't know, I, I think he was kind of on and off. I don't think he's been, you know, incredible in the eight this season, but I mean, he's still good, obviously, but I, I, I think it was a little less consistent in the eight. And obviously we would see him kind of gassed at a certain point, whereas I don't think we see that anymore uh, with him in the sixth as much, but yeah, I mean, he's a talented player and just I hope we get to see more and more of that. So, Annabelle, Eddie talking there about the, the six and the eight positions and surely you would have to think that his experience now playing the six position for Celtic will be adding things to his game for when he goes back to the number eight position, if he goes back to the number eight position. I would think so, certainly. I mean, exactly as, as Eddie says, he's so capable at putting in a tackle and that's something that he's got to practice more and more playing in the six. Um, so I would kind of hope that he could take that ability forward, you know, kind of as we've seen him do so many times now, he's going to be playing higher up. He's going to be in and around the box even more in theory when he's back playing in the eight. So 
we can see hopefully more of that just ball winning, that sticking your foot in, you know, kind of losing possession, but immediately winning it back and leading to opportunities. I would hope that's something that you'll keep in his game. Um, I, I hope that for me, when when McGregor's back to full fitness, I kind of want to just see a return to him and him in the six with um, him kind of trading places with Abelgard every now and again, because I know, I think the, the quote was that Matt O'Reilly actually does not like playing in the six, which is a bit, of a shame because as you say it has added so much to his game and I th- and I think that his game sorry and we've seen this new kind of maturity come from him I think you know earlier on the season as Eddie said his form is maybe up and down I think you could argue that at times he's maybe a bit naive and kind of came across a bit inexperienced but I just think he's gone leaps and bounds in terms of his maturity level since he's had to take on this role and he has become very authoritative as well which again could kind of help push the attack up when we're kind of struggling when he's further up the pitch too so absolutely I think it's done him nothing but good You know with that uh, kind of rumour that we'd signed the, the wrong Bangura uh, back in the day I think we've signed the wrong Abelgard I think the, the, Ruben Kazan must have had two and we've signed the wrong one because he's getting nowhere near the team one, so Eddie, different players come in and they hit the ground running in different ways. And two players that we, we saw today are playing in the same wing, linking up really well together, was uh, Bernabe and Haksabanovic. The, the two of them look, based on this game, the two of them look really bright and really bright together. What, what did you make of that kind of relationship down the left-hand side? Yeah, I thought it was really good and I thought it was really quick, really smart. And, you know, I think at some times we could be guilty of, you know, making bad decisions or too slow on decisions. Whereas I think them both today were, uh, they were both very, very quick and kind of knew what each other were doing. I think Haxa Banovich brings similar to what Jada brings, I guess, on the left. Uh, his, ball control is incredible. His thinking is incredible. Like he doesn't necessarily make any um, poor decisions, even if it's no decision, you know, like he, he, especially for his goal, which we'll, we'll talk about, but I just think him holding the ball, he just has such, like you could picture his brain going and Bernabe is always overlapping, always kind of showing for him to kind of, you know, go for a run or have Hacks Banovich go for a run. But there were times where, I mean, there was one in particular where Bernabe, um just did, you know, that quick burst of speed, went to the, went to the byline and just kind of knocked in across. Just stuff like that is just, it's just showing maturity. And I think I really enjoyed watching him play today. It was, it's definitely one of his best games, I would say. Um, but I think having two players like that, that have that quickness of thought on the same wing. And I know, um, and just been kind of switching up wings, I guess, at some point during the game, which I'm not I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of, but I, I do think that we have some really good combinations and uh Hacks and Benovich and Burabai are definitely they definitely seem like they are a good combination. And then obviously adding Hatate into the mix, it's just like you have I think at any time with any group of players, usually on the left hand side, like it's Taylor Jata. Hatate, Hatate, Haxabanovich, Bernabe, like, you know, we, we just have a great, even Maeda, you know, just have a really great little triumvirate of uh, kind of creative, quick thinking players on that side. And they were both really great today. One of the, the, the weird things that, that Lee Johnson has said over his time uh, as Hibs manager was about the kind of uh, the strength, the core strength of the, the Japanese players. And uh, Hatate today, 
I, I, like it just it feels as if he's gliding about the pitch now and he's always got his head up. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this as a comparison, but there was times today where I was thinking Xavi. Like I was watching him thinking Xavi. I, I, you know, it's funny. I actually, I think for the goal that he contributed, I thought Messi actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. It sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but like the way that he, he dragged five players with him and just that thought of it. I, I, I mean, you know, it sounds ridiculous, obviously comparing him to these players, but I mean, he, he has so much talent. Yeah. And it's just every game we see stuff like this. It's just, he's absolutely world class. Like I don't, I don't really have any words anymore for him. He's just so, so good. And we're so lucky to watch him play every week. So it's almost, it's also things that Annabelle, like there was one part where the ball, he was shepherding, shepherding the ball out of play. And this big guy, big, big Ross County player came in the back of him. And not only did they not get near the ball, it didn't physically move Hattati. Like it, it just bounced off him, basically. And so, I mean, we, when you couple the fact that he's, he's got a terrific vision, he's rolling the ball about as if it's a carpet he's playing on. And uh, he's just, he's, he's taken the game by the scuff of the neck. Now he is, he is a player that's basically dictating the matches for us at this stage. He's, he's just becoming an incredible player for us, isn't he? Absolutely. I think, like you say, I think he's quite deceptively strong. I think there's that big assumption with small players that they're going to be weak on the ball. But Hatate, when you look at him, he's, he's he's quite stocky, I think. And I could see him having like a decent sort of low centre of gravity. I think he'd be a lot tougher to move than you would expect from someone of that stature. And yeah, I'm the same, running out of words. I'm really glad that after the Motherwell game, we're back to being able to praise Hatate again. Because, you know, I thought he didn't have his best game on Wednesday, but glad to you know, all be on the same page that that was just a fluke. And a new word that I have got for him now is ethereal. He just brings this ethereal presence Oof, to the pitch, as that. you say. Yeah. He's just floating around. Just he was he was just really back on it today, wasn't he? With just the waves kind of receiving the ball, trying to journey around. I felt like he was one of the few players really kind of making good use of um, Ross County's insane man marking. Like he, like you say, he really was kind of dragging players about. And for me, especially in the first half, that was something we weren't exploiting nearly enough. You know, I just felt like they're making it so obvious what they're trying to do. Why aren't we making use of it? But he just drags people about with him. He's always looking for pockets of space, always on the move. Yeah, I'm glad he's he's back to absolutely top form today. I do feel really lucky. And I also would love to meet the the Japan national team manager and just ask him, what on earth is your problem? Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about the international uh, decision is, for me, it's twofold. It's like, it's good that we're going to get to take him to Australia and Portugal and spend time. But also, you for the for the kind of uh, profile of Celt- Celtic as a club, you want players to come here and then get international recognition. So it's just uh, it's, it's not great, but also there, there'll be benefits to it as well. Uh, there was one moment where he pulled the ball out of the air and basically brought it down as if it was like a a lump of fucking stone, like it just dropped out of the air and it, it didn't bounce anywhere, and it just it was perfect, a perfect bit of uh, control. Uh, but we have quotes now from Ange about the game. So he's been speaking to the BBC. He has said, just as I went to read it, a new thing popped up and moved it down the page. <laughs> so it was a big win and a strong performance. I can't speak highly enough about this group of players. They were they were really strong mentally today. The crowd sense it, the opposition sense it. If something goes against us, we're not going to be bowed. 
If anything, the boys just put the bit between their teeth and go. It's a great trait to have. Whatever challenge has been thrown at us in the league, we've been outstanding. You don't sense panic at any stage with us. We have some quality players, but really good, really strong characters too. So, Eddie, that was one thing that I noticed today where when Ross County did get the goal and, uh, I didn't feel, it didn't feel fear. I didn't feel when it was like anxious or anything like that. I was like, well, I guess we're just going to have to score two now. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good position to be in. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I, I felt the exact same thing. Um, obviously in other games, it's a, a lot more stressful, but I think the first half, yes, it, it wasn't kind of, you know, as scintillating as the second half, but I do think, I mean, again, this is the story of most of our first halves, most of our games for the most part. We completely dominate the ball. I just think we did not make the best decisions. And like Annabelle said, we didn't kind of exploit, um, you know, how good our center midfielders are, uh, and how creative they can be, um, which we saw in the second half. Uh, so we were just, you know, we were lumping a lot of crosses in there. And obviously when you're lumping crosses into a team that literally has every man behind the ball, it's, you know, it's probably not going to go well. There were, you know, some crosses that were decent, but I do think, um, it's, we, it's very strange, man. It's like, it takes us a little bit of time to warm up, but I think, I did not feel any type of fear today specifically just because um, I mean, their goal was, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. It, it's not something that they kind of earned or anything uh, through play. So you're not taking it uh, as, Oh my God, we need to wake up. You know, we need to kind of really get our heads on straight because we just needed to keep on playing the way we were playing. But obviously the second half was what we expect kind of all the time, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't feel any type of fear like we were going to lose. That's for sure. Unless, you know, VAR or somebody wanted to get involved at some point, but. Mr. Monroe, uh, every time I see a new referee, I think to myself, well, maybe this one will be good. And uh, I'm obviously always disappointed. Uh, yeah, that was, who said it on the, uh, I forget, was it on the reaction or something? Uh, or might have been the weekly talking about <laughs> the refs. And it's like, do you really see any of them and go, oh, good, it's that one? <laughs> like, you just never say that. It's just always like, it doesn't matter who it is. They're all terrible. I think the last one that I was okay with was it Craig Thompson, his name was. And even he had a few clangers, but yeah, uh, what are you going to do? So, Towards the end of the half, we do have a few bright moments. There's uh, a lovely uh, one-two with uh, Bernabe uh, down the left-hand side, but it just holds on too long. It, it delays the pass too long, and then it's cut out. Uh, it's a great cross from Haksibanovic with a, a beautiful header from Kyogo, where he kind of has to shape his body in a weird way and try and loop it over the goalkeeper, but just hits the top of the roof of the net. Then Kyogo has a big chance. So I feel as if Kyogo and Maeda have, have walked their way back into form. Uh, but Kyogo has a big chance here after good play from Hitati and Haksibanovic and drags the ball wide and then he has another effort in the 27th minute where he tries to take a, a first touch and this again enraged uh, Tom Boyd who thinks he should have had it first time and the first touch is pretty bad and it goes uh, the, the chance is lost but in the 35th minute um, Annabelle we we, we lose uh, Marc Jens uh, yet the Mercedes breaks down What? Um, and Starfield has has to come on, and that's when we had the Carl, Carl Starfield is getting undressed quote from Tom Boyd. What, what, what did you? 
Were you happy to see? Obviously, you don't want to see a guy injured, but were you happy to see the CCV Starfield reunion continue in the defence as the Counting Crows famously said? Don't know what you've got until it's gone. <laughs> Absolutely, I, yeah. No one wants to see one of their players go off with a you know head knock of any kind. But at the same time, I, I did say when he came on, I, I'm loving seeing those two next to each other again. You know, I think Ange was rightly just trying to ease Starfelt back into it again. You know, where there's not that necessity to rush him back in, so why not? But um, yeah, love seeing them next to each other. I did feel a bit more comfortable, but at the same time, I found that after I didn't really kind of notice much of a difference because as as Eddie touched on, Ross County, I felt didn't really offer anything going forward anyway. As he says, they didn't really earn their goal. I know that I think Hart had to make at least one or two saves, but I never really felt threatened by them at any point. I felt that any problems we were having with the game were purely our own. But at the same time, it's just always nice to see the dream team back together. But yeah, I hope uh, Moritz is okay. I hope he's getting a good repair job down the garage. Yeah, they- <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Seeing uh, Starfault and CCV back together is is incredible. And I thought today the biggest difference uh, was kind of for us in particular and for the center backs in particular. I think that they were both excellent today. And I think they were both very aggressive going forward. I thought um, they made some really nice passes going forward. I actually loved the fact that CCV took shots from the outside. Like if a team is going to play that far back, go up there and take a shot. Cause I think lacking in the, in the first half were shots in general. And I know sometimes we could hold the ball too long. So, I mean, if we could have that in our back pocket, obviously they weren't, you know, terrific shots, but I think just kind of having that as a threat uh, can open up space too um, in the middle so I, I definitely want to give them both a, a ton of credit because I think that they looked really, really comfortable today um, and just, I don't know, very positive going forward. And and I feel like I've said it before, I think this season, uh, they both, CCV in particular, kind of, they look more comfortable on the ball. They look more kind of confident going forward. It's still obviously not, you know, to certain levels but i do think you it's a noticeable change and i think it helps our game uh obviously and you know the speed with which uh we play so yeah i i really love seeing that and i love seeing that kind of throughout every game this year pretty much yeah and i just want to absolutely second what eddie said about CCV and Starfelt and I, I did know that Jens did it a couple of times as well just absolutely making those forward runs and taking advantage of the fact that they're some of the few players on that pitch that didn't have a Ross County person like attached to them at the hip so yeah that was a really great bit of exploitation from them I thought it was nice to see them kind of flooding the Ross County half and trying to balance out the you know 11 men behind the ball thing um, so they, they were brilliant today and um, yeah the CCV shots outside the box I wonder if he was told to do that. I thought that was really interesting. I feel like we've not seen that from him in a while, but we know that he can put them away if he wants to. So I was absolutely gutted that we didn't get a CCV, you know, absolute thunder bastard. Because after the first one, I was like, oh, he's up for it today. So that was my only disappointment from him. I just like imagine you watching the game and saying, oh, when CCV has a shot. <laughs> what's, what's everyone's favourite shots? Um, Mescal uh, for this bear. Eddie, what's Oof. your favourite shot? I don't, I don't really do shots anymore, Graham. But until for that shot, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> me, me and uh, Liam Divers, uh, Thola Cynic, went out uh, a couple nights ago, maybe two weeks ago, and there were plenty of Tullamore do shots that night. <laughs> so nice. I live to tell the tale. 
watching uh, Zane uh, Liam's Instagram, he's he's all over America at the moment. Like he just seems to be in a different city every single day. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's he's a man on man on the move. Nice, nice. Annabelle, favorite shot? Oh, yeah, I'm not partial to a shot. You know, any thought of like going back ten years and doing a sambuca shot makes me want to die. But if I had to pick a favorite, I would go back to my early twenties when I would attend a house party with just a bottle of apple syrup in one hand and a shot glass in the other. I know it's not a real shot, but it was a method and it worked. I had some great times with a bottle in my hand. Do, do you ever? Did you ever experience the mixing of the three different flavors of aftershock? I don't know. Do you get aftershock in America, Eddie? No, but we do get uh, uh, Mad Dog and uh, <laughs> oh, these I, I, th- I, I absolutely think it's so funny seeing that how like how hum- humongous it is over there, and you know what it is here. It's it's essentially like bum juice here, and <laughs> it's just a part of everyone's weekend over there. I don't know. I mean, it was here as well, and then it was just co opted as <laughs> a kind of like a way day thing. So I mean. <laughs> Uh, my favourite uh, American drinking experience was for local trying for local for the first time. Uh, that was the the real the real one with the caffeine. I don't think it, I don't think it had caffeine, but I think it was like twelve percent or something like that at the time. So it was, uh, it was yeah. good, a good time. I, I like how we've had like a half time of the reaction at half time of the game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how we do it around here. We had to have some shots to talk about, didn't we? <laughs> So we go in at half time, we come back out, no changes, and then pretty instantly Ross County get a penalty. And what is this, the fourth, fifth VAR penalty for handball we've had in the last few weeks? Um, it was preposterous. It was right on the line at the edge of the box as well at the side. And Annabelle, I'm going to ask you this question, and I want to, want to know if you know the answer to this. That's usually why you ask someone a question. <laughs> Uh, what is a natural position for someone's hand to be? Um, if you're a Celtic player inside your shirt, like I, I was thinking that we, go, I was thinking maybe we should put like um, handcuffs, or, like handcuff <laughs> them behind their back. But then, I mean, we we got a penalty against us for somebody hitting it off the back of a player that last was week. A wild one. Should we play in straight jackets? That's my question. Like, what is the solution to this problem? And to think that people were saying that Celtic players are intentionally kicking the ball at people's hands when I said, excuse me, I think we're the ones that keep getting these penalties against us. It's, it's ridiculous, especially when you, so the the one that Hearts never got against Rangers as well, which was basically the same as uh, the Bernabe one. But it's, Ed, it's, it's become like I don't. I hate speaking about refs and uh, speaking. I mean, VAR wasn't even the problem uh, this time. It was just the, the ref. But is it just going to be a case of we're going to lose these constantly and there's nothing we can go, do about it until the rules changed? Because the the Bernabe one, this Matt O'Reilly one, I don't know where they're supposed to be putting their hands. Like I, I, with the Bernabe one in, in particular, I I kept imagining someone jumping with their hands by their side, and it just looks so like salmon dipping out of a. <laughs> yeah, but, especially the way he. I mean, you could see his his arm went back like that because he was moving his head to head the ball. Like it's just common sense. I mean, and wasn't the other player he was like going up against mirrored as well? They were in the exact same position. That's yeah. how you jump. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you when you jump, you use your arms because that's how you get higher up. So yeah, sorry to interrupt. And I mean that is a definition definition of natural. Then if other people are jumping the same way, then that's surely natural. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like I've, it doesn't even matter. Really, it's just going to happen. I really do think it's just going to happen. Uh, 
And there's just going to be a million different interpretations of the rule. There's going to be, a, you know, obviously it's going to be subjective to each ref. You know, it's it's not going to be one kind of standard uh, as far as what, you know, referees think are natural positions. So it's just, we could just kind of expect it to happen, happen, I guess. But obviously having four within a very short period of time is kind of like, geez, what the heck's going on here? But. Uh, Michael Stewart, who, as it's, I think we, we like to fetishize. Um, he has said on the BBC, the one at Celtic Park is never a penalty. So there you go. We've got, we've got Michael on our side. <laughs> Maeda. So I think we all agree that he is coming back into form. Obviously a beautiful goal against Motherwell, which was it's the speed that he went at and then the take and the, the, the control and the finish was fantastic. Today I felt as if he was back up, back on form as well, but it's just getting that little bit of frustration at the end with like fantastic control, brilliant run in, in this game just after half time, just after the score, and then he blazes across into the stand. Uh, Eddie, what, what's your take on uh, Dyson at, the, at this stage of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see him back in the goals. And I think a lot of people have said it over the podcast the last week, just seeing him kind of seemingly more happy, I guess, playing uh, is nice. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that um, I, I don't I don't think he's going to last as long as far as, you know, in the doldrums as, as we think he might. So hopefully he'll continue to keep playing better and better. But yeah, he does have that kind of, like the very almost almost like Abada Abada very similar as far as you know he'll get to the byline really 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 greatly and then he'll just slam one into uh, you know into the stands but that one was particularly frustrating I think just because obviously we were down one nil and it was a really really nice ball from O'Reilly uh, and obviously with a nice ball he probably could have uh, you know gotten it over to the left hand side and that problem that would have been a goal essentially. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's positive. Again, his performance tonight was positive. So I think um, if he could kind of keep that consistency, uh, regardless of scoring, um, but, you know, making better decisions as far as passing, um, you know, he'll he'll just be back to normal in no time. So, And as a, a moustache wearer yourself, uh, Eddie, <laughs> do, do you wear a moustache? I don't know. Hey, what, do, what do you make of uh, Dyson's facial hair? Uh, I, I think it suits him. I think it's very, uh, stealthy. Mm-hmm. I, feel like, I feel like it's stealthy. It's, it's almost like a really, really, uh, fancy concept car. That's, uh, you know, I didn't expect, I didn't expect to get such gold back, but that was, that was fantastic. I, <laughs> I, I think, don't, it, don't you underestimate me, Grant. <laughs> I think if, uh, if someone said, like, if there was a newspaper story came out and it was like, Someone in the Celtic squad is secretly, secretly an assassin. <laughs> Annabelle, it's, it's Maeda. And I mean, absolutely, <laughs> it's such a menacing little moustache, and as well, I think it harbors some sort of secret power for him because I think you'll, if you'll remember, during his first season with us um, earlier this year, he shaved it off briefly. I think for like one game, and his form dropped off a cliff. So uh, there's something magical about that moustache. I'd like to know what other secrets he's keeping in there. Oh, he's definitely got secrets, that man. It, we, we we start to press, we start to push forward to get it back into the game. Turnbull has a, a a good strike from distance that the keeper can't can't hold, and then the the Rousen stonewall penalty, as Tom Boyd would call it, happens. 
And then sixty first minute we we do we equalise and it is a thing of beauty, Annabelle. Talk us through it. Oh my god, uh, my throat is still sore from this, and then the subsequent screaming that happened five minutes later. But um, yeah, just real real hatati. This is we're, we're again we're going to run out of the words, but um, yeah, he receives the ball in the box. I think it was another great Matt O'Reilly pass. He had a lot of great involvements today, and then. He sort of dances around about five players, just absolutely dragging them out of the box towards him. It was just, again, it was one of those ethereal moments for me where he was just this incredible ability to keep the ball and that determination to get into the right place. And he did something that I felt was really missing from a lot of our game in the first half was I, I think he actually looked up and decided where he was going to place the ball so that it would meet a player in the box instead of just aimly floating in. So he looks up, makes this perfect little cutback Um which just lands right at the feet of David Turnbull. And this, for me, again, was was beautiful. This is the calm that he kept. You know, a lot of players might panic and sky over the bar in this situation. We've seen that happen many times, which is kind of why I assumed it would happen. But nope, I think he took a lovely wee touch and then just gently, correct me if I'm wrong, gently nutmegged the keeper, just so gently slid it right between his legs into the goal. It was so well worked and just really great play from everyone involved. And I just wish that, you know, we hadn't waited this long to see this kind of beautiful kind of play. You know, it was, it was just... a Perfect goal for me. So gently slid it right between his legs should be the, um, the tweet. Uh, <laughs> Did I say that? This. Yes. <laughs> I'm so the, sorry. Should be the tweet for this uh, for this pod. I think uh, that's a box quote. Uh, wow. Yeah. What wonderful uh, Eddie, wasn't it? Wonderful all round. Yeah, I think I think it started uh, on a really nice kind of one-two between Ralston and. I want to say it was Maeda or possibly Turnbull, but Ralston kind of did that, you know, burst of speed, get to the byline, kind of cross it. It was a nice cross into the box, headed up top, eventually got to um, Hatate and just, it's just, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't really know what to say. Like his, his burst of speed, uh, he literally had four or five guys on him and uh, it was just, greatly worked and i think these are the kind of things that you expect i guess from him now um and he does it on such a consistent basis so it's not that much of a surprise but you're still kind of wordless when it happens so uh yeah it was an unbelievable goal and i think we score a lot of those kind of lately just everything seems kind of really well worked and i think that's really great to see too it's not just necessarily like somebody hitting a really nice shot from outside the box and scoring i think it's a lot of our goals recently that have been really nice have been well worked throughout mm. the team. So uh, that's also great to see. And uh, just before we leave Hitati, the one of the, my favourite moments of the game was when he get uh, pulled back and he went up to fight the guy afterwards. I really like, really like to see that. He's just jumped up instantly and was uh, all up in the, the grill of the the. West County player, so well, that's why he's got the mouth guard in. He's just ready for a fight. Uh, just right. going to box someone. I love uh, it. I, I mean, I love it. I think Stu mentioned it on one podcast. As far as kind of him, like not necessarily being afraid of anything, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, because obviously in in the league they're going to try to kick the shit out of him. Um, but obviously they know they can't do that anymore. So uh, I mean, I I love kind of badass Hatate now. <laughs> I mean, Japan is where Godzilla lives. So, I mean, <laughs> is he still alive? Oh yeah, he's still going. Still going. He's um, millions of years old, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how our goals this season are running in little themes. Like, remember when we were scoring the overhead kicks, and now we're we're Megan goalkeepers. It's just like 
That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a season of season of the Meg. <laughs> uh, I just I've, just before we move on, I do know that Counting Crows didn't write Big Yellow Taxi. Just in case anyone thinks I am a musical moron. <laughs> wow, that that I totally missed that one. So <laughs> okay, that's probably good thing. Snuck by us. <laughs> so we, we're again we're turning the screw. Hitati, Ralph, and Maeda involved quite a bit trying to trying to open up Ross County, and it doesn't take too long to to get the second. Six minutes later, in fact, and Annabelle, since you since you're not a lawyer and you did so well talking through the first goal, I'm going to assume you've got extensive notes for the, this uh, second goal. Haksabanovic, talk us through it. I'll give it a go. They're a bit less extensive than the first one because I was literally screaming and jumping around the living room like a psycho at this point. Just oh, so great. It was, again, just to quote Eddie, another beautifully worked goal. There was some stunning interplay between it was Rio and, and Hacksaw. Like, oh, it was just... The, the one-two passing in the box where this is what we should have been doing the whole game. Again, I couldn't help but but say that to myself. Why weren't we doing this earlier when you've got such a tightly packed box? You've got the man all over you. Why weren't we just kind of doing these little neat passes to get the ball around them? Because we've shown here within the space of six minutes that it works perfectly and that's what ultimately won us the game. Um, yeah, I only caught the sort of end of it, but basically Rio gets the ball over to Haksabanovic or is it the other way around? Haksbanovic passes the ball to Rio, who somehow sees this pass, sees the run, even though he makes the pass instantaneously upon receiving the ball, which again, his vision is just outstanding. So he immediately gives the one-two back to Haksabanovic. And at this point, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, well, that's not going in. He hits it. It's a fairly slow shot, fairly low power, looks absolutely like it's going wide. So I'm like, oh, well, that'll be that then. And it just slowly curls its way right around the keeper. Like it's purposely designed to just dodge him and then go right into that corner. I don't even know if it hit the post in the end, but I don't think it could have been any tighter. A really weird, slow, but beautifully worked goal at the same time. Really, really good from Haksabanovic. It reminded, the finish reminded me of Samaras debut. You know, when he comes in from the right-hand side at Rugby Park and then just, no. like, strokes it. Strokes it. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah. No, <laughs> Samaras is my love language, if, any, if anyone's wondering. Uh, but, but yeah, I think even before that goal, Haksabanovic's um, ability to have two men on him and have the ball at his feet and just get enough space to make that pass for the for the one two is incredible. I, I think he's honestly he's he's just as good, possibly possibly better than Jada as far as with with the ball at his feet. Um, maybe a little bit more controlled and less flashy in a way. That's not you know being disparaging to Jada at all, but I think uh, Haksabanovich just has this way about him that just. You know the ball's just going to stay at his feet. You know he's kind of in cr- control of it uh, at all times, and just to see the um, speed of thought as well. Again, I'll, I'll say that again. Just the speed of thought um, while he was kind of holding those two players, you know, at, at his mercy. I think uh, it's just it's so fun to watch him play. Uh, yeah, and uh, Gal just put into the chat there that the finish was like Thompson at Ibrooks and yeah, definitely that. Again, that kind of just slow, slow finish. It's so aesthetically pleasing. Uh, but I love how, like, uh, we've replaced Dudu Dahan by the club of Ruben Kazan. That's just <laughs> that's just where we get players now. Uh, we should have done that all along, to be honest. Uh, but 68 minutes, so just after the goal, we make a triple sub. So Maeda, Haksabanovic and Kyogo go off. 
and Gigi Jota and Abada come on. It's uh, when you look back to this time last season and being able to bring on that strength. Uh, when, when when you consider where we were at this time last season when it came to injuries, it's just fantastic to see. But Jota, we need to speak about his hair. Uh, Kristen came into the room and said that it looks as if he had a badger on his head. Um, the fact he's not got any sides anymore, like he shaved his sides off it. You know, either of you seen Flight of the Concords? Yes. Yeah, you know where uh, Brett's making uh, a helmet with hair over it, so it's like just looks like his his hair. It just it looks like he's got a helmet head yeah. of hair. He's he's got Pat Benatar hair. That's what I said. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, he's, he's he's bordered. He's, he's crossing the line between looking good and just. Uh, uh, he actually, he's he's got like a musketeer vibe now with his facial ah, with hair. the facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I think it flops beautifully in the wind. I think he could honestly do anything with his hair, though, and I'd be like, "Yeah, it looks great." Yeah, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they didn't. Jota didn't get much involvement when he came on. Gigi had a, a chance after a good kind of turn, nice spin turn in the box, and but it it's not really wide. wide. Uh, Abada has a couple of moments. He crosses straight to the goalkeeper, which again goes back to your uh, point, uh, Eddie, of doing the good thing and then just. If not up but, at the end. But 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 I thought he I thought he was fairly good when he got when he came on. Mm-hmm. Uh he did his kind of signature to the byline and cross it, cut it back. Um but yeah, I, I think even the when the subs came on, we kind of still kept up the pressure. I thought Gigi was, you know, pretty decent at holding up the ball and kind of getting himself some chances with his back to goal, which I thought was kind of you know, pretty impressive, I guess, given sometimes he could kind of flop over the ball a lot uh, or decides to just kind of flop on the ground. Uh, but I think there were a couple of times where he he kind of made a turn in the box uh, and had a shot off that was was really, really nice. Uh, but yeah, I think all the subs kind of came on and, and, and did well for their, you know, limited time. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like against Motherwell. I, I, I called him calamity, Gigi, when he came on against Motherwell because he was just falling all over the place. But it, uh, yeah, he did offer something, especially when you're only one goal up and you're trying to make sure that you keep a hold of it. And Abada had that that lovely chance with the the nice one two with Jota right at the end as well. We could have put it beyond the shadow of a doubt, but. We didn't, and we we finished the game two one. Overall, Annabelle, we we finished basically the first half of the season. I don't I don't think it is the first half technically with games played, but we're we're now get this gap of five weeks. What is uh, your overall kind of review of the domestic season so far for Celtic? Oh, fantastic! Um, <laughs> no, I'll try to be more coherent than that. Um, no, it's been very good. I think. Um, it's been a bit less consistent in terms of results. And what I mean by that is more like score lines. Obviously, results have been good. I believe we've won all games bar one that we lost, St. Mirren domestically, which is you can't argue with that form. It's incredible. It's it's a huge marked improvement on last season as well. Um I believe at this point last season we're still behind. Is that correct? Yes. And to be now in the same position, nine points clear in November, I just think that's ludicrous in the best possible way. Um, I think Ange is getting a lot of joy out of rotating the squad. I think we're starting to see some of the benefits of the squad growth coming through now. You know, I think I've been too early to say, oh, our squad's great, our squad's massive many times now. But I think that this is the first time I can confidently say we are really starting to see that squad depth coming through. And 
like I said earlier, you know, the lack of injuries coming down and we're starting to see a bit more consistency in performance after making, you know, a huge amount of subs, which was problematic for us earlier in the season and towards the end of last season. But um, yeah, I guess what I would just be hoping for moving forward is to kind of, like I said, I believe in an earlier podcast, is just kind of sharpen things up in that final third. You know, we've got the dominance aspect down, we've got the passing aspects down, but I'd like to see a bit more kind of work around that final third and being more... And sort of clinical because I think that's the one area where we have been lacking and it's the kind of area that's given us a few scares this season so far and basically all I want is for us to win 6-0 every game instead of having these occasional kind of close ones <laughs> Yeah, Mariah Carey B-side there um, <laughs> Eddie, is the league over? Have we won the league? Is it two in a row? Oh, just, wow you're, you're going <laughs> to put that on me? Uh, yep <laughs> um, It looks good Outlook looks good, especially with the way that the other side of town is playing. They look terrible. Uh, we do not yes. look terrible. So um, it looks good. Outlook looks good. I like but how yeah. you're answering this like a Magic 8 ball. I was about to say the same thing, Graham. I was like, thank you, Magic 8 ball. I should, have, I should have just said ask again later. Like, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think uh, I agree with uh, pretty much everything Annabelle said. I, I, I think. Uh, Statistically, obviously, it's we're having a fantastic season. Uh, obviously, the best in the country. I do think, kind of, you know, consistency and performance and starting off slow in certain halves is, you know, gets everybody kind of nervous. Definitely me. <laughs> and I, I do think it's been a question for a long time. Like, you know, why can't we play like this second half today all the time, uh, especially against teams like Ross County, who. What we they scored their first goal in how many games? Were, were we tw- twenty seven nil on aggregate? I think uh, Chris said on on uh, the lunch club. So it's like you know I, I I expected batter teams like this, but I just think there are so many little things that are kind of moving forward and progressing with the squad. Like Annabelle said, as far as um, the rotation, it seems to be getting better and better as far as the players playing better and, you know, what we can expect from those players. Um, players playing in different positions that are, you know, playing out of their minds right now, just like really, really well, and we don't expect it. Um, obviously, the injuries are kind of tapering off, which, you know, I would say that that points to us kind of being more fit as far as going, uh, you know, working with an Ange's system. Uh, I mean, even Rio, Rio today in particular, you know, obviously in the first season, he was tired uh, a lot near the, near the end. But I think if you saw him near the end of the game today, I mean, he was running down balls that one of the, there was one, I wouldn't say it was a breakaway, but it was kind of somebody on uh, the left for Ross County was dribbling and you just see Hitate literally run across the field and slide tackle the ball out at like the 86 minute. So yeah, there's, there's so many little positives that are kind of, you know, building up into one big positive. So yeah, it's cool to see. Awesome. That is, I mean, yeah, that's exactly where you want Celtic to be. You know, that's, that's what the kind of football you want to be watching as well. So it, the new firm Derby has started zero uh, zero after four minutes. Do you remember when they tried to get that marketed as a new firm Derby, at Aberdeen Dundee United? What a time to be alive that was! Jeez. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> and about man of the match and any takeaways that you have? 
Sure. Um, I'm really glad that I get to go first because I think it's really obvious who my fan of the match is going to be. So sorry for getting in there first. And hopefully you've got someone different, Eddie, but it's, it's got to be Rio Hatate for me again, just because he was, like I say, a slight blip from the Motherwell game, but then he was just right back on it today with just such sublime passing and two assists to his name as well. And I know that assists are kind of the debated stat, you know, is it worthless is it not but I think it's clear from those two goals today that he pretty much had a huge role in making both of those goals happen and and a lot of other things in the game as well just really kept it ticking over and um, I think he's a huge reason that we won today frankly and I love him and please marry me once again Um, takeaways I think um, I've only really got one sort of main takeaway kind of going into the break and that's kind of summarising some of the points I've made around the squad rotation and injuries and things Um, Probably a really obvious point to make, but it's clear to me anyway now, thinking about it, that Andrew's not a manager who wants to build a, a first team 11 that he's going to play every single game and that's going to be his team and that every, anyone else in the squad is is strictly a backup. You know, it's clear that he wants to have a robust squad of players who are all as close to the same level as he can possibly get. And it's basically like a big ever-moving puzzle. The parts need to be interchangeable and everyone's obviously got their own individual qualities that they can add but the point is that he wants them all to be able to maintain the style of play um, and intensity of play that ultimately means that he can slot players in and out and that is great for many reasons that protects us against things like transfer windows where we have great talents like Abada, young players coming in who are likely to be poached in the future. It means that if we've got the scouting right, and it sounds like Andrew's planning very far ahead, which I like, that we can have players going out and it shouldn't be a huge worry. We don't need to panic because the scouting's there. Andrew knows exactly what he's looking for and the rest of the squad is robust enough that these little changes aren't going to have a huge impact. And for me, this is the start and I hope that, you know, Ange with us is a long-term thing. I really hope so, because this is the start of becoming a team that can compete better in Europe for me. This is the beginning of it, and I hope I'm right. This is the beginning. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I also like the fact, one of the kind of good byproducts of the rotation is the fact that it means there's no, like, in-group and out-group within the squad. Like, there's no, obviously, under, like, Martin and Neil, we had the same 11 players, and then they had the people that were never going to get a game, and it must have created a very kind of, two-tier system, but here you don't really know who's going to be playing, unless you're a defensive midfielder from Denmark, you've pretty much <laughs> got a chance to play in the, in the game. Eddie, man of the match and takeaway? Um, there's only one man in the match, and it's Rio Sean Patrick Hatate. <laughs> uh, what a guy he is. Uh, world-class player. So lucky to watch him. This is definitely one of his best games, I would say, um, by far. And he's just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, as far as takeaways go, I just think, like I was just saying about kind of the little things that you're noticing that are kind of building up and it's the small changes that kind of, you know, build up into an overall kind of positive. Uh, so I think stuff like that, just whether it's CCV and Starfelt being more aggressive, whether it's Rio just playing out of his mind, whether it's, you know, uh, Haxabanovich continuing to get better. I just think there's just little things that just uh, with each game just get better and better. So, and I think obviously uh, it's great to get a win before the break. Um, obviously, you want to go into the break on a, on a high point. So, I'm going to be sad that it's going to be a month without Celtic, but uh, can't wait to uh, have them back. What time will the Everton game be for you? A uh, time that I will not be waking up. Uh, <laughs> I think 
I think it's 3 a.m. actually. So. Oh, I thought it was 3 a.m. for the UK. So I, I thought that was going to be a bit, bit more normal for you. But I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't wake up and watch a Frank Lampard team play. No, he'll probably be sacked by then, so, to be honest. But Annabelle, it's been an absolute pleasure. What are your plans for this uh, Saturday evening? Thanks, Graham. I'm going to be hopefully playing some video games. I've started playing Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, um, nice. I like that game. So I'm going to continue playing that. So far, I don't think I'm getting it, but I'm going to keep going with it because I've heard such good things. Um, and yeah, I just want to apologise for my Freudian slip when describing David Turnbull's goal. Apologies, everyone. Um, <laughs> but it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was a great way to round off the first maybe half season. And Eddie, what about you? What do you get planned for the rest of your Saturday? Uh, it's it's unseasonably warm here, like I mentioned. So I'll probably uh, take a stroll outside, sit in the sun. I'm kind of kind of tired. It's been a busy week, so probably do some sit on a bench and and read and soak up some sun. That sounds like a great a great idea, a great plan. Both of you, well done, well done yeah. for having successful Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Graham McKay, and we will catch you down the road. <laughs>